you said the Thieves Guild side quests were long, and that was not an exaggeration. Okay. I haven't done those yet. That's the only one I haven't at least started. I only just started the Dark Brotherhood today. There's two parts to it. Uh, this is what makes it really interesting. Uh, there's the part where you deal with the, the, the dangerous side of the Thieves Guild. You know, they've got this problem where they're, they're running out of luck. And a betrayal by one of the former members of the secret society inside the Thieves Guild. He stole something from, uh, I guess you would call it their temple. Uh, and it's a skeleton key. It's basically a lockpick that never breaks. <laughs> yeah, we had one of those in Oblivion. I know that. Yeah, they're fantastic. Anyway, uh, because he took that, um, the, the Daedra that gives them their luck is not giving them any luck, which is why they're having such a bad string of bad luck. So there's the, that part of the side quest where you go and deal with that stuff, which I've finished. But there's a whole other section... To become the head of the Thieves' Guild, you have to restore the Thieves' Guild, and there's an achievement for this too, to its former glory. And to do that, you have to complete uh, a set of missions in every capital city in Skyrim. It was a pain in the ass to do. So that sounds like it's actually longer than probably, well, certainly longer than the Companions or the Mage Quest or, or, you know, the Bard's College, which is just a couple of fetch quests. And the well, I, I don't know about the Dark Brother. Like I said, I've only just started it. But the, the two main quests, relatively speaking, aren't all that long. So would you say this looks longer than the two main quests? It, li- it relies heavily on the Radiance story system. So um, as in you, you've got to get these quests to do something in a certain city, and you've got to get enough of them in a certain city to unlock the, the correct mission to get the uh, influence in the city. And so I've, I've started doing this. It's five jobs a city, and then you get to unlock a story. Yeah. Wow. And, but the Radiant, you get these missions from one of two, two people at the, in the Thieves' Guild, and which city it goes to is, is from Radiance. So uh, you could get the city you've already been to. And if that happens, you just ask for another job from them, and it cancels it out. And you can keep doing that until you get the right city. But, yeah, so five jobs per, per capital city, five cities. Uh, that's, it's just, yeah, massive. Um, huge. I have to say, I've been trying to play this game um, in my current playthrough without fast traveling anywhere. I've been using carriages and walking and riding. But, but this Thieves Guild stuff, that, it's just not possible. You, when you, you have say, to fast travel. When you say city, do you, you mean the holds, right? Yeah. Yeah, like, like, like not Rorikstad or Everstad, which are the smaller places. Yeah. Uh, they're just little towns. Right, that's, so just the big ones. Speaking of really annoying, Winterhold and uh, Falkreath, no carriage access. I mean, the, the, as soon as I started doing the Dark Brotherhood, it was like, well, you know, you're telling me to go to a capital city from the Dark Brotherhood headquarters, but there's no way to get there uh, unless I fast travel or spend a year playing this game. <laughs> well, I don't know what your affectation is about no fast travel. I mean, unless you really just, I mean, heck, you could buy a horse for that matter, and then you'd be able to get places relatively quickly and avoid most of the wolves on the way. Mm, no. <laughs> I tried doing that for a while, and it still takes forever to get anywhere. If you yeah. have uh, Shadowmere, he uh, runs faster and has more stamina, so you can run longer. I guess my point is, you know, to get properly immersed in the world, the fast travel takes you out of that. It would have been nice if they thought these quests through in such a way that 
you know, the main quest line takes you from city to city, but when you're in a city, that city and its surrounding areas have a heap of quests you can do, and from time to time, you get a quest that will take you out of that city to another city as a kind of a linkage to the next area you play, right? But, but no, you get these minor quests, like these Steve Guild quests. It's like, okay, now travel to the other side of Skyrim, now come back, and now go over to the other side of Skyrim, now come back. Yeah, the beginning of the Dark Brotherhood's like that because you start off in that shack after you get kidnapped, and then they want you to traipse all the way from the basically the northern half of the board to the southern half, and a lot of them are like that. Well, the only city nearby there is Dorthar, and it also doesn't have a carriage service. Yeah, I, I feel like they, they could have planned this out to be a bit more immersive in that respect. You, you know, why, why am I being told, oh, I accidentally lost my amulet in the cave on the other side of Skyrim just the other day? <laughs> oh, really? Did you now? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, in addition to that, there, there's another couple of interesting things I wanted to, to mention as far as, I don't know if these count as bugs or glitches, but, you know, one of the things that 1.2 and then 1.3 were supposed to fix were some of the oddities with dragons. And I'm not sure they've got those down because I've had a couple of things since the 1.3 patch came out, both on the Xbox and on the PC, where I hit a dragon with Dragonrend. And then it just, instead of landing, decides, okay, I'm going to head for the hills. I've had dragons fly off over mountains in the distance after hitting them with Dragonrend. And, you know, oh, it's thought, worse than that. They fly off to the hills. I thought the whole purpose was that they're supposed to land. Well, they, they fly off to the hills and then they land. <laughs> Well, yeah, but that's not terribly helpful when the hills are so far away. I mean, yeah, I've seen them do that, too, where they'll fly to a nearby hill that's just out of my line of sight, so I can't stand back and snipe them. So I have to actually go up and approach, which is irritating, but still, they don't land necessarily anywhere near you. Yeah, and when you're in a city, often they'll land outside the city walls. Yeah. They, they, I don't know what they did. They did something where prior to 1.2... The dragons behaved mostly reasonably this way, and ever since, they've been, I don't know, it's like I cut it off again and it's still too short. It's just not quite right. It's my Xbox flying backwards. My Xbox is still running on the original without any updates. Wait, I got the 1.3 because I decided it was relatively okay on the PC, but... I've, like I said, I've started to notice this oddness with the way dragons behave. Now, I haven't seen anything else. Resistance works again, so, you know, I'm down with that. Playing in Nord, I don't get totally whacked by the first frost-breathing thing that comes along. The armor that I got for the Thieves' Guild Dage Request stuff, um, the Nightingale armor, that is, that is badass. I feel like I'm Batman. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was pretty happy with the armor I got from um, the Boethia quest. I finally did that one. I decided to take the woman. If, if you remember in Whiterun, there's a bar where there's a, there's a uh, mouthy woman who dares you to uh, fight her. And then you can get her as a follower. Yeah. So since she seemed kind of irritating, I told my current follower to go back to where he came from. Got her, took her up, attached her to the pillar... And then went ahead and, and killed her. And then told you that's the way. You just go and get a companion you don't care about, <laughs> like Sven. And then when uh, when when the uh, which one is it? when Boethia comes along and tells all the people there to slaughter each other, I just stayed up top. The rest of them all ran down to the bottom. I think I hit one of them with one arrow before they all killed themselves. <laughs> it wasn't much of a fight at all. I, I didn't mean badass in terms of like stats actually the armor is pretty useless um but it just looks good it's the best looking outfit in the game 
I, I don't know. As far as both looking and, and quality, I like the ebony armor that you get out of the Boethia quest because that stuff, especially if you've taken the, the uh, smithing skill all the way up, and like Scott, I've finally gotten mine up to 100, I can mm-hmm. get the legendary ebony armor. It's pretty damn cool. No, just you wait. Wait till you see this stuff. It is cool. There's uh, the Daedra armor, which makes you look really demonic. I, I thought that looked pretty cool. But... Uh... <laughs> That, that that might go badly in some towns, maybe not, I don't know. Like I said the last podcast, you want to be real careful about summoning certain things in cities. It's really weird. I don't have a, a, a home yet. <laughs> I'm running you know, you finish that, the, you get the two eyes, the Falma eyes, Austin. And, yeah. Uh, they're worth quite a bit. I'm carrying them around right now. I, I don't have anywhere to go. <laughs> I don't have a home. Once you get the Thieves Guild to a... Uh, um higher stat statute or whatever um sell it to them because they'll have four thousand dollars you can take off them yeah i need to i need to get the rift um yeah the rifting quest so that i can become a thane of rifting and get the house there because i don't think there's anywhere else i want to live having i unlocked every other house in my last playthrough and this is the only place i haven't been um so yeah, given that I'm going to be doing so much Thieves Guild stuff in this playthrough, the Riften one actually is just awful. I hate that one. I don't know. I, I think the White Run house is generally speaking the best one, simply because you're right next to War Maidens, and if you do any smithing at all, you're right there. Yeah, yeah but there's I a agree. bunch of werewolves who live there. It's a stinky place. <laughs> well, it's kind of okay if you are a werewolf, so you know. You smell like a wet dog. Is that hair coming out of your ears? That's what they mostly tell me, that I've got hair coming out of my ears. <laughs> you know, when I, when I, in my last playthrough, when I did the werewolf stuff and I eventually killed myself, I would still have guards telling me that I smelled like a wet dog. It's like, what? Yeah, same here. Oh, you can actually cure yourself of werewolfism? Uh-huh. Yeah, you just throw another head in the fire. Do what? It's a, throw another head throw in the fire. Throw which head? Oh. Yeah. I don't think he's done any of that. So no, no, no. I, I cured what's his face after he died. Cadillac. Uh, yeah, I cured him after he died. I did that. I didn't know I could do anything else with the other heads. Which you have to cure. You have to kill cure Varkus and Vilkus, the brothers, and then you do your own. And then there's still a head left. I don't know why, but there is. That might be for Ayala. No, yeah. she doesn't want to be cured. Oh, okay. Or if you're on the Xbox. Farkas is already dead in my playthrough. Now, Vilkas is a funny... Is a fun, I've got a funny thing about that happened to me in playing with Vilkas. I was off to find Azura's Shrine, because in this playthrough I'm level 44, and I've done the main quest and the bards and, and the companions. I haven't, and I, I took care of the Dark Brotherhood, because I figured with this character I just slaughtered them, so I did that. So I was off to Azura's Shrine, because I wanted to do all the Daedra quests. And I'm just wandering up in the mountains, and suddenly there's... Vilkas, just wandering in the mountains. I'm like, what the hell is he doing here? It reminded me of some things in Fallout New Vegas where suddenly there'd be a character you'd know lived in a town just wandering the countryside for no apparent reason. And there he was. So I said, well, follow me. Guess my last follower had died. Well, he was probably coming back from a place. Some, in some of those quests, they, they're like, I'm going to hang around here for a while and I'll see you back later. I'd never gotten him as a follower, though. He must, I don't know, this game randomly put him out in the middle of nowhere. I just thought it was really funny that there he was, and there was another person with him. And they were both fighting trolls. It was just bizarre. So, a really interesting mod came across my quote-unquote virtual disc. <laughs> 
someone is attempting to make Skyrim Online a mod that links up your running games so that you can play together. Playing together is kind of a weird way of looking at it. Have you seen the way the other players appear, the way they kind of bounce and frolic in Whiterun? <laughs> yeah, they, they don't have any animations. They're prisoner avatars. Uh, it, it's a bit odd. <laughs> a bit? <laughs> they do have, like, a global chat, uh, and everyone's sort of nude. They're just wearing underwear. <laughs> I, I think there's a lot of work to be done. But the fact that they've got, like, a, a centralized way of connecting to a, a group play is really interesting. And I think... You know, in next to no time, if this thing ever worked, you would have hundreds and hundreds of people in Skyrim. I'm not so sure that that would actually scale real well, just given the way, and if you do the main quest and you see how laggy the game gets on large-scale battles, I'm not sure that's going to scale very well. No, I don't think it will scale very I mean, just there's only a certain number of houses you can live in, and <laughs> you could essentially have one person own each cave, and eventually you'd end up with every place occupied. <laughs> I wonder if they'd keep warping in random uh, refills of Forsworn that way. You, it'd be like the original Minecraft. Put your, uh, put your bed too close to a wall and all the zombies show up. So Dark Brotherhood, uh, how far into that are you, James? I have just uh, become the listener, or at least been declared the listener. I had only just done, you know, in one playthrough, the one where I decided my guy wasn't interested in that, I just slaughtered the Dark Brotherhood. And at level 43, I can tell you, they're no challenge at all. You walk up... You sneak in, you know, I have a sneak skill of over 80, and my archery skills are 100 plus all the bonuses I've enchanted on things. I snuck through the whole place and sniped a lot of them. That was easy. They were just complete pushovers. In the other game I'm playing, where I'm a lower-level character and I decided to join the Dark Brotherhood, I had only just gotten the first thing from Astrid where she says, pick one of these guys to kill, and then I'm supposed to go and find, you know, the, the doorway. Now, the, I guess this question I'd ask is, is there a right answer to that, who I'm supposed to kill, or does it not matter? Because it didn't seem like it mattered which one I picked. I, uh, I killed two of them and let the third one go. Um, I think, you know, this is my logic. So there's the soldier uh, mercenary. There's the really annoying housewife. Who I killed. <laughs> who I also killed. And there's also, uh, whatever his name is, the... The cat. The, the murderer. <laughs> The thief, murderer, <laughs> terrible all-around guy. So my my thinking was, if somebody's going to perform the dark sacrament, it's 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 a personal matter, generally speaking, and and uh, and so either the mercenary or the housewife would have to be the target, not not a murderer himself. Uh, and I think if the mercenary um, seemed too much like a nice guy to have annoyed somebody to the point where they would do the dark sacrament. <laughs> Which leaves just the housewife who was, you know, tied up with a bag over her head in a very bad situation and she doesn't even want to play ball with her captors at that point. I don't I think somebody had a beef with her. So it seemed logical. So I killed her and I also killed the murderer cat and I let this the, the mercenary go. Okay, I killed the mercenary just because I got through wow, the you're other a horrible person. Well, <laughs> I heard the thing about killing the guys in the sleep, and I said, okay, well, not that you necessarily deserve to die, but I can see a contract coming in for that. No one would know. I killed the lady because she wouldn't shut up. <laughs> I just thought about it from the, the point of view of who would put a contract out on who. And, and it just seemed like of all the people that somebody might put a contract out on, it, it might be her husband. It might be her uh, sister-in-law or someone, something like that, you know. 
it, it seems more likely that she would have had a contract put out on her. Yeah, I guess to, to make a movie reference, there's an old, there's a movie that's made quite a number of years ago called The Ref, and there's a line in it where after one after the mother-in-law goes on and on and on for a while, the guy the the, the star Dennis Leary finally says, "Lady, your husband's not dead. He's hiding." I think that's this woman's husband. He's hiding. Okay, so you haven't even gone to the door yet. No, I haven't. But but is there, as far as you know, is there a right answer to that, or is it just completely random? It's whatever you want to do. I was just wondering if there was some kind of puzzle that I didn't get out. She tells you what the password is right before you leave. No, I got that. She tells you what a pa- what the password is. I was wondering if there was a right answer. It didn't seem like there was a right answer. It didn't seem to matter. It's possible all three had a contract on them. I mean, why did they go to the effort of taking all three if they weren't eventually going to get rid of them all anyway? I was just curious if it made any difference. Didn't seem like it did. No, I don't think it does. Although I'm surprised in a way, and I guess it's because the quest has to start. When you start off with the kid and you go off to Riften and kill the, uh, the, the nasty orphanage woman, it's funny. The, if you kill her, even if you're in the room by yourself with her and you kill her, the uh, other woman who works with her knows you did it and starts saying, I yield, I yield, I yield, running around in circles. Meanwhile, the kids are jumping around going, yay, she's in. <laughs> yeah, they're all <laughs> jumping for joy. But then when you leave the building, you would think that maybe this woman who was running around in circles would talk to a guard at some point. But, you know, obviously for quest purposes, they don't do that. But I thought maybe they should put a bounty on you for that. Yeah, and I went to all the effort of trying to be sneaky. <laughs> you know, I waited until she was inside her office, shut the door, shot her. No one could have known that she was dead. Yet they knew. <laughs> right, you come out and the other woman is running around in circles and the children are cheering. Eh, whatever. We know. Yeah, well, that's kind of cool. But I was just, I figured it would have been nicer if they'd given you a bounty for that. It would have been kind of cool. Uh, so, I, yeah, I'm just past the part where I had to share the casket with their mother. <laughs> that's, just, that's just horrible. Oh, great. It was pretty creepy. <laughs> She starts, like, glowing and, like, trying was, to talk to you. I was half expecting them to take the opportunity, considering it was so dark, to do, like, a uh, shock value, ah, sort of thing. But they, they didn't. I, I fully expected them to try and get a cheap scare out of that. There are cheap scares in the game. I mean, there are points in the game where I've literally jumped out of my seat being surprised by things. I haven't. What, like what? I haven't. I- I did once, but that's because someone snuck up on me. Yeah, it's been that. It's that some people have snuck up on me without me noticing them. Uh, I can't say I've had that at all. I don't know. It's just there are points in the game where I've gotten so immersed in it that I that it it just really captures my interest. And when something weird happens, I it it it's it gets me instead of just my character. I'm not even sure that ever happened in Fallout New Vegas. I wouldn't say these are the games that do that to me. There, there, are, there are games that, like, well, Creepers in Minecraft do that to me all the time. But, <laughs> but yeah, I, haven't, I can't say I've had that experience in, in Skyrim. Okay, fair enough. I just know there, there are points where I really get that immersed in this game. <laughs> there was only one point that got me, and that was the very first time I came across the Dark Brotherhood door. And it's that creepy vibe, and it was late at night, and I had my headphones on, the volume up, and everything starts to kind of shake in dark, low tones, and, and you know, scary, creepy voice talking to you. And that was at Darkstar as well. Not, I haven't been there yet in the, in the quest line. Now, the most, the, the most startling to me in the game so far, really, has been very early in my first playthrough, 
when I first got surprised by a Draugr, and it's because I didn't notice the, um, this is, like I said, first playthrough, first time I'd seen one, didn't notice the door falling off the crypt, so I turned around and there it was. You know what's really annoying? You go to all the effort of avoiding triggers for traps, and your companion walks on it. Yes. Yeah, I know. They're as useless that way as they were in the Fallout games, where you you notice the traps, you go around them, and your idiot companion just jumps on them. Or worse, you know, as we've talked about before, they run in front of your shots and everything. (laughs) In in one of the Thieves Guild quest parts, you're going around with the head of the Thieves Guild, and he's like, okay, activate that thing and look out for the spikes. So I did that. And then, like, down the corridor, like, literally down the corridor, there's a, a plate on the ground, so I step around that. And Mr. Aware of the Spikes steps on that and gets nailed. <laughs> yeah, and then the other thing that's really funny about companions in general is the way they path. You know, you'll, you'll find a way down a mountain that doesn't hurt you. you know, <laughs> You're and, jumping down the side of the mountain. Right, Why but would you expect the companions to follow you doing that, honestly? Well, I don't expect them to do that. But what's funny is that sometimes I've seen it take multiple journeys through doorways for them to figure out where you are. There have been multiple times where I've been sure that my companion died and I just didn't notice it. Yeah. And then I so, fast travel and, oh, well, there he is. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely happened to me, too. They just sort of disappear for a while, and you're like, where did they go? Right, and you're, I've, there have been multiple times where I've been absolutely convinced, oh, that noise I heard about 15, 20 minutes ago, yeah, he must have bought the farm then. Yeah, I don't give them anything good anymore. I don't get them to carry my stuff. I've got lots of stamina. Play, I'm, I haven't done any magic upgrades in this character at all, because I'm a thief. I'm not using magic at all. That was the other thing I was going to mention, is that I've really come to the conclusion, having played a bow specialist, and started a dual weapon specialist, I am completely convinced now that Matt, th- this game is like the polar opposite of the original Dragon Age Origins this way. If you remember in Origins, mages were really, really, really overpowered relative to everybody else. I mean, you could get a thief up, but it was utterly useless to play a warrior in that game. It, it, just, it was hard, too. It was hard to live through a playthrough as a warrior. This game's the complete opposite. It, it, yeah, I mean, it's, it's D&D... Classic D&D had this balance right. If you're going to play a magic user, things should be hard at the start, and then you become godlike at the end, right? But in this game, it's, well, it's mildly difficult at the start, not too hard, and then really powerful in the middle, and then at the end, completely underpowered. Yeah, it's, the thing is, is that you just can't stand up to some things as a mage. You definitely need a companion to start pounding on something so you can stand back. But even then, it's hard because if you're a bow specialist, you can stand back while your companion takes damage and just snipe. You can't snipe with a fireball. Yeah, you can. Well, not if, if you're willing to let your companion take a whack, sure. <laughs> On my first playthrough, I couldn't decide what I wanted to do, magic or weapons. So I carried a sword and sparks around, and I just used both. So I got both skills up really high, and then I just went full warrior at a certain point. Yeah, so it's definitely worthwhile banking up your perk unlocks because often your skill uh, level for a particular thing, you, tree you want to unlock or constellation you want to unlock isn't there yet. So you may as well just hold on to the perk and not use it straight away. Well, and there's also the fact that sometimes you realize that you made mistakes in how you did it. There's the, the warrior playthrough I'm doing. I really, really wish I had unlocked the right order of things in smithing 
because I'm at a point where I have 100 skill in smithing and I can't make the dragon plate armor yet because I haven't gotten a tree up to the right point. Yes. Oh, you just go up the left side. Then, it, um, yeah, you go up. Uh, you go up to uh, yeah, the dwarven. No. Um, you want to go up the right Elton. side. The right side's the better side. Well, I meant the left is shorter. But either way, though, the point was I hadn't done that. <laughs> so, you know, I, I had taken a couple of other skills up a couple of notches thinking they'd be useful for the way I was playing. But then they didn't go up. And then there's another interesting thing about leveling I noticed. Once you get a specific skill up to 100, it doesn't seem, it, it gets to be a lot harder to move your level up if you keep using that. So I noticed with this warrior playthrough, He's, he's an absolute killer with the bow. I can one one or two shot almost anything in the game now. A dragon priest do not worry me. But you don't get much experience for that. If, on the other hand, I try to sneak up on them and take them out with my one-handed weapon, which I haven't leveled all the way up with, I get more experience and move between levels faster if I use something I haven't leveled up. Which I find kind of irksome. I've, got, I've gone through all this effort to get a skill all the way up, and then at the top, it's really easy to play, but I don't get experience for it. Huh. I, I hadn't noticed that. And maybe that's why I was struggling in those last 10 levels from 40 to 50 last time. If you've, because, you know, destruction magic, I had no choice but to use destruction magic to fight. And if I'm not getting much experience because I'm not leveling a destruction magic up anymore. Well, you'll notice that you get bonuses. Your level sneaks along much faster. If you've got a skill that's not all the way up and you increase, say, from 70 to 71 in something. Both the skill goes up and the level moves up, whereas you're not getting that extra bonus. If something's already at 100, you, you never get that extra bonus. Maybe that's when you start doing, like, alchemy and enchanting to help out. Well, I've been doing that, but, you know, the thing is is that um, I, yeah, I do that, but, you know, I have to take the time out to do that, and quite honestly, I'd rather be doing the date request than standing in an enchanting table and enchanting silver rings. Yeah. So The way it found a uh, a really cute video of uh, <laughs> the the dragonborns talking to a guard, and the guard said, I used to be an adventurer like you until I took an arrow to the knee. <laughs> he goes, wait, what? <laughs> like me? <laughs> Have you been outside the city? Yeah, I love that one. That was and my favorite line was, sometimes I'm fighting, was it, uh, vampire bandit... <laughs> Uh, no, I can't remember. Who are also name. magic users? Vamp- yeah, it's it's the vampire oh, yeah. bandits vampire, who also cast vampire spells. Mage, vampire mage, yeah, bandits. <laughs> you know, and I, some, I've been I've been shot, I've been poisoned, I've been electrocuted. Sometimes all at once. <laughs> and this guy's complaining about an arrow to the knee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As <laughs> in very very lame. Yeah. I like how he has to go kill his uh, undead wife too. Oh yeah, people people are worshiping the uh, the undead wife. <laughs> and I had to go chop her head off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think on that note, we might want to take it out. Sure. Thanks for the warning. I wanted to make sure you missed your cue again. Yeah. So one thing I never prepare for. It's our calling card. Have you missed an episode? Do you want to subscribe to our iTunes feed, join the Facebook group or Steam group, or follow us on Twitter? Find these links and more at www.jaroba.com slash thumcast. That's J-A-R-O-B-E-R dot com slash T-H-U-U-M-C-A-S-T. Also, you can go to my game website, goongamingnetwork.squarespace.com. 
Goon Gaming Network. Which we'll put a link to in the show notes. 